Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast titled We Talk To with your hosts Namkolo Mwangala and Tracy Gatawa. This podcast gives you a local feel and updates of what's happening around us. We discuss the economy, the creative industry, local and international developments and some of our personal stories. It's really a chat amongst friends, so sit back and enjoy this journey with us. Hello friends and welcome once again. This episode is quite different from our usual episodes, which are mostly anchored on marketing. As per our promise when we started this podcast, we will also be looking at some pertinent issues that affect our everyday lives. May is World Mental Health Month and September is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. Lots of evidence has suggested that there's been a surge in mental health issues because of the COVID-19 pandemic and there have been a number of reasons for that, which we shall be discussing today. These are issues that affect us in our day-to-day lives. Therefore, in contributing to promoting suicide prevention awareness, we have invited Nicoletta Catulwende, a counselor who also has her own podcast called The Talkative Areas, where she talks about mental health. In this episode, Namkolo and our new addition to the team, Namakao, chat with Nicoletta on mental health and everything around it. Hope you enjoy. Thank you, Tracy, for that wonderful introduction on today's episode. Friends, I am really excited that we will be discussing something completely different from our usual marketing-related topics and talk about something that affects our everyday lives. And to make this conversation even more relatable, I am joined by my co-host for today, Namakao Mwilima, who is an amazing person, friend, and colleague. Namakao and I are joined by our guest for this episode, Nicoletta Katulwende. Nicoletta, we are so happy you could join us and welcome to We Talk To. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So, Nicoletta, we know you as a counselor and a podcaster. Please tell us more about yourself. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Huh? But, uh, yeah, like I've been introduced. My name is Nicoletta Catulwende. Uh, I work as a junior analyst for a lending company. I have a podcast called The Talkative Aries, where I talk about life issues and how they tend to affect our mental health. Um, I'm a lay counselor. I I got certified as a lay counselor early this year. So I do uh, lay counseling, which can also be referred to as mental health first aid. So yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Well, I like that term, mental health first aid. I think a lot of us actually need that. And uh, speaking of mental health, uh, that is something that we as a team at Moana, we're really passionate about. And we have realized that most people have had some kind of mental health issues in in this COVID-19 pandemic era. So please help our listeners understand what we mean by mental health and briefly highlight some of the causes and effects. So um, mental health is a state of mental well-being. So uh, just like we have physical health, you know, knowing that I'm physically fine, I don't have maybe malaria or fever or anything, even our mental health is, is something that, that, that can be affected. We can have what are called mental illnesses. So uh, some of the causes of mental illnesses could be, um, some of them are hereditary, they run in families. Others are due to grief. Um, uh, others are, they come from different variants, from, from trauma, from loss from abuse, so they stem from so many different things. Uh, so we as a team have so many discussions around mental health. 
and we have realized that we all have mental health stories to tell. You can only come to the realization that you're not only going through it only when you have conversations with other people. As a counselor, how do you maintain a healthy, balanced life considering you deal with a whole lot of unsettling issues? Uh, so I'll just give a brief, uh, a brief story on, on my, my first triggering experience. I had to counsel someone who went through a, a similar situation, something that I, I had been through in my past. I remember crying mercilessly, but what has kept me going uh, over the past few months is just like anybody else, even counselors or therapists need therapy. You, you always need to talk to someone about what's going on in your life or one of my favorite things to do that was taught by my counselor uh, when I was doing my, my program is journaling. Journaling is always priority number one because obviously it's not everything that you can go to, to a specific person and tell, especially if in a counseling session, if someone talks to me as a, in, in confidence, I can't go and talk to someone else and say, no, but this person told me this and I'm relating to it. That breaks the code of conduct. So one of the best ways to also do is journaling. You go home, you write in your journal what happened, how it made you feel, how are you going to deal with it, and so on and so forth. But if the situation is a bit more triggering than normal, it's advisable that you pass on the person to somebody else who better help that person. Well, absolutely. And I, I actually like the fact that you, um, uh, the, uh, the different elements that you've touched on. I, for one, I'm a strong believer in counseling and getting um, help when you're going through something, especially if it's something that you feel is beyond you or is a bit overwhelming. But some of the reactions I got from people around me when they hear that you're uh, seeing a counselor or you're going for therapy, one of the reactions I would get, which was more often than not, was that's for white people. Why are you going for therapy? That's for white people. So um, I, I actually like that we can actually talk about this and actually encourage other people that may need um, a bit of mental first aid to actually seek the help. And, um, and I know it takes a lot of effort and discipline doing what you do because you actually sort of like give us that first aid uh, uh, in terms of our mental well-being. And uh, also looking at this month being Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month, maybe you can also just share what are some of the causes of suicide and what efforts can uh, help in reducing that risk. So that maybe when uh, we as a community, when we see it within somebody, what are some of those, um, if any, what are some of those uh, little things that we should look out for and how can we help somebody that might be going through such a situation? Okay, um, I think uh, I'll, I'll nibble back to some of the points I had said in my earlier response. So some of the, the reasons people res resolve to probably thinking of suicide, uh, grief, grief is a very big thing, mm -hmm. especially in instances that you lose someone that was very close to you and you can't cope, that, that plays a role. Uh, abuse is another very big thing because you know when you're when you come from a place of abuse you're vulnerable you feel worthless you feel hopeless so that puts you in a place where you start to feel like you don't deserve to live uh, loss it could be loss of a job it could be uh, funny enough I even talk about it could be something like you lost maybe your favorite towel or people deal differently we tend to look at people's situations like that small thing is why you're hurt but you don't know the extent to which things are uh, affect people so loss is also another 
another reason that somebody could contemplate suicide. And sometimes, honestly, just being overwhelmed, uh, being highly overwhelmed can push your limits if you're not coping well. So yeah, those are some of the few things. Then uh, what are the things to look out for? Every so often the signs are there. Every so often the signs are there. It's in the things people say. It's in the things they do. You see, with mental health issues, there's always maybe all of a sudden a person eats too much or eats too little or they pass snide comments like, ah, I wouldn't mind dying. It's in the little jokes sometimes that, that these, these clues are there. It's in the statuses. These days, you know, technology age, it's in the statuses people are putting on their Facebook, on their WhatsApp, on their Instagram. It's, 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 uh, it's little things like, not little things, sorry. It's big things like self-harm. Every so often you see your friend has a new cut on them and they never really have a, a, like a, a solid excuse as to what happened. Those are some of the things you can look out for. That's very interesting. Uh, Nico, I understand you've come across and helped uh, a number of people and, dis and without disclosing the finer things, can you tell us about a time you helped the client or victim open up and how you helped them with that case? Also, can you tell us how one can go about the stigma it may come with? So, um, you see, the thing about helping someone as a counselor is you can't force someone to talk. But what you can do is lay a path that makes them comfortable and safe. The one thing anybody who wants to open up needs is a safe space. And every so often, in the beginning of, of, of a session or in the beginning of, um, uh, of our counseling period, I'll always tell the people that come to me for help to say, look, this is a safe space. What you tell me stays between us. Unless the, the only disclaimer we have made to promise is if this person wants to harm themselves or harm someone close to them, then we are allowed to disclose to maybe the authorities or for us, since we are lay counselors, we transfer to the therapist, to the, like the, the main the main people in the hospitals and we say this is this is a disclaimer this is what's going on with this person in that situation we can disclaim but i will always assure confidentiality and i will always let you let a person do it at their own pace it's never right to force people to talk because at the end of the day they can lie to you which defeats the purpose of them getting therapy so uh some of the tactics i use is making people comfortable assuring them that everything they say stays between us and obviously, I give tasks, different tasks that help you, depending on your situation and what you're going through. And accountability, advising people to journal. Journaling is actually one of the most helpful ways. I will not overemphasize this. Writing down everything you feel, how you're going to deal with it, is always, always, always important. Because that way, even if you're not speaking to me as your counselor, you, will, you have an outlet. You won't be judged in your journal because even a counselor can be human. They may not judge you to your face. But maybe when they go home, they go back. You even think, I saw when they go home, they think about me. They're like, so that person did that. But with your journal, it's you and your paper. It's you and your piece. Those are some of the things that I advise whenever I'm helping people to help them get through what they're going through. I, for one, have actually tried uh, journaling as, um, as an outlet. And it, it, it has helped me. Because some of the effects that I saw within myself when I was going through my own issues is um, I slept less, I worried uh, more, I was constantly anxious, and this was coupled with a lot of other things. And then also um, some of my personal triggers that I'm trying to also notice within myself 
are um I, and I know when I'm when I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed um with certain tasks sometimes I, I might not handle it accordingly I'll give an example of uh, my personal story and maybe that might help somebody but um a few years ago I was juggling quite a lot I had a school when I was doing my MBA um class was demanding work was demanding and home was also demanding and I remember this particular weekend one, we, we actually needed to move houses um, from one house to another. So it was the stress of the move, the stress of school. And then I had a particular project running on that particular weekend. And I remember just having a, a, a breakdown. When I think about it and when I talk to somebody about it, it might seem that it was something that was so small. But within that space, for me, it felt like it was something that was weighing on me and it was something that I couldn't handle. I retreated within myself. I think I didn't handle um, that whole weekend quite um, productively. But I remember somebody gave me good advice, which was just retreat, take a breath, think about it, um, write down what it is that you need to do. And then do it in manageable chunks. You don't have to do everything at once. Uh, and that really uh, personally helped me. Uh, one other instance, and I know Tracy uh, talked about it earlier on, was with the COVID-19 pandemic, the whole isolation that we faced. And I think as, as, as humans, we are these social beings that want interaction with others, whether it's with our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues, we wanted that kind of uh, interaction. And you hear uh, stories of people that have been put in mandatory isolation, having uh, uh, breakdowns or stuff like that. And I can relate to that because I also wasn't handling it well. We had to work from home, uh, interacted with uh, my loved ones less and less in a physical space. So it was just getting uh, to be a lot. And when you're within your lonesome, in your own personal lonely space, you start thinking a lot and your problems become uh, bigger than when you're interacting with others and you start over analyzing everything you start um sometimes you, I, I i i even uh term it manufacturing problems um because uh, everything seems bigger than it really is because you're not interacting with people that may sometimes uh also help you deal with um some of these issues so yeah so for me it was over analyzing of issues uh, in my COVID-19 isolation as well as overthinking of my problems and um half of the time I also bottle my issues and then it's the smallest of things that can trigger me and uh, I'm so glad Nicolette you actually uh talked about um things such as uh grief for instance um because of all the other issues that I was going through in my life, whenever I was faced with grief or even the smallest of things, such as somebody uh, saying a little snide comment that on any given day, I would probably just like brush off. I found that was like my one trigger that made all this Pandora's box open and a flood of emotions would come out. And the pandemic has also made me go through um, a variety of emotions some within the same day, I'll be happy, sad, depressed, anxious, and stuff like that. So I've actually started journaling again. 
Um, sometimes I wake up uh, at 2 a.m. and I can't sleep and I just start putting my, my thoughts on paper. And I feel like that is, um, I'm sort of like transferring it onto uh, black and white. And I'm talking to a non-judgmental entity like Nicoletta said. Uh, but besides um, uh, some of these issues, what additional um, advice can you give somebody like me? I've tried journaling. It definitely works. But I also find that I still bottle things up. And uh, yeah, and I've actually realized it's, it's, uh, it's not healthy. So for somebody who might be going through a similar instance like me, what are some of the additional advice that you would give them? Uh, so one of the things that I that I learned only in my counseling class was something called worry time. You assign yourself a specific time, maybe 10 minutes in your day or maybe in your hour. And you say, I'm going to sit in this corner. And I'm going to think about everything that's worrying me and ad- address it like, okay, so I'm worried about this. How do I change it? Or this is stressing me. What do I do about it? If it has no solution, why are you worried? If it does, think about what you're supposed to do about it and work towards that. Every so often we spend the whole day whining, worrying, and maybe going back and forth with looking for solutions and answers. And you spend the whole day probably sulking or stressed or whatever. And it spoils your day. You won't work well. You won't function. Your social life won't function well. But if you assign yourself worry time to say, I'm going to sit and think about this now and sort it out. If I can't sort it out, then it's, I have to drop it. If I can, I figure it out and I start to work towards that. Imagine how less stressed you will be. Absolutely. I think, I think that is the, the best advice I've heard in, in a while, um, having uh, worry time. I think that is something that every one of us can then implement because I think it's something we, we uh, and I agree with you, we spend so much time worrying sometimes about things that we don't even have control over. So I like the fact that you get your worry time and you categorize your, your problems or your worries and you're like, okay, that I can have a solution for that. That I, it's probably outside uh, what I'm able to do. So I really like that. Thank you very much, Nicoletta, for that. Uh, the World Health Organization estimates suicide rate for Zambia at 6.1, 8.8 among males and 3.5 among females per 100,000 population. In your opinion, what do you think might be the reason we have more men committing suicide than women? Uh, I think, in my opinion, I, I want to highly emphasize that point. Women are a bit more vulnerable, so they easily we easily address things, you know. Even if I, I sulk and say, no, I don't want to talk about it, the minute somebody genuinely shows me the attention that they are listening, I will pour out, as opposed to men. And in the African concept, men are necessarily not allowed to feel. It's like it's a taboo for them to feel. You, you, you shouldn't cry, you shouldn't complain, you shouldn't whine, you shouldn't say you're not happy about something which is wrong because before they are seen as a man, they are human. It does not take away from them to be human. So they shouldn't let them behave like they are not human. They should be allowed to grieve. If, if you've lost someone, you should cry. It hurts. You don't have to sit in a corner and bottle it up. That's highly, it highly affects them. It really, really affects them. Imagine a situation where you allow, and it starts from a tender age, 
your your son is three years old, he falls down, he cries, and you're like, no, you don't cry, boys don't cry. No, he's hurt. He may not have a wound, but he fell and he felt pain. Let him best express how he's felt it. But because you want to toughen him up, he's going to think it's okay to not allow yourself to feel. Then next he's 13, maybe he loses a parent. Next he's, he's 15, he, he's got a heartbreak. He's bottling, he's bottling. Before you know it, he's 21, he's depressed. He doesn't know what to do. What's the next best thing? I don't want to live anymore. It's very important to encourage your partners, your siblings, your friends who are male to feel it is normal to be vulnerable. It is human. Yes, they are men, but that doesn't make them supernatural. They are human, just like we are. So it starts from, I always tell people, we're the next generation of parents, those of us who are not. We have to start making that change. We're the next generation of partners. We're the people who are in the circles with our friends. What are we talking about in our circles? Are we going to our friends' parents' funerals and telling them, no, be strong because you're a guy? We have to learn to allow them to be vulnerable. We have to not judge them for being vulnerable. Every so often in the African concept, a vulnerable man is seen as a weak man, which is not normal. He is just a normal human being. Absolutely. And I love your statement of we have to allow them to be vulnerable. And I think our communities, we are not doing enough to actually do that. Uh, uh, And I agree with your sentiment. And I've actually heard that um, quite a lot where people are being told, uh, especially young boys are being told, don't cry. Boys don't cry. Boys don't do that. Boys don't do that. But we need to actually allow them to be vulnerable. Um, so based on that, because we are also talking about the communities that we, we belong in and some of the things that we as communities are doing, do you think um, we are doing enough to talk about this particular issue of mental health? And um, do you think people are getting enough help in terms of opening up and talking about this? And what can we do to demystify this whole mental health um, issue? We are not doing enough. We, it, it, I think if anything, especially in a country like ours, we are just starting because it's only now that mental health is actually being addressed. It's only now that people are talking about it. And funny enough, it's taken, I like how, I, I always laugh at, I've seen a couple of tweets and Facebook posts that say, Millennials have invented so much. They've even invented mental health. So it's fine. We've invented it. And you know what? We'll take up the baton and we'll deal with it. So generations before us never addressed things like mental health. They never, ever addressed certain things like that. And now it's on us. And already our community is somewhat still backwards. So if we don't get up and teach them, they won't learn. So now is when we have to get more serious. It's platforms like this. It's platforms like my podcast. I've, the past two years, I've spent the past two years telling my story in different, in different circles. I've spent my, my time doing things like my lay counseling training, uh, attending conferences, because I want to learn more and add more to fuel my passion. I have a passion for mental health. I'm playing my part in the community, but I can't do it alone. How many other people? Your people have told me today that, oh, you have the same dedication. That's three of us. The next person will listen. They'll be passionate. That's four. That's five. Our community will only know so much based on how much we give out because it was never given them. It's things like children in, 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 in uh, rural areas have epilepsy and they're being aligned to 
witchcraft or or no this person is possessed but these are all mental health illnesses you know what i mean imagine if even just the medical uh the medical fields themselves decided to go into villages and teach about these things but i don't think there's even an allocation in any of our budgets that come into the country to say you know this should go under ministry of health and it should go towards ministry uh, or towards mental health i remember when i used to get my meds from chinama every so often they were never there so i had to go to a private chemist now imagine a person who can't afford it there's not enough being done in our communities because if there was enough being done it's things like medication that would never run out or probably not even some sometimes i just think they don't even order it because they think people don't get it but there's people that need it they just don't know that it's there oh uh, yeah are you stating that the community or zambia as a nation is only addressing mental health now is a bit sad and i know cases differ from one person to the next like we discussed earlier some people will lock themselves up in their bedroom the whole day some will not eat uh, some will barely sleep what do you think can be done to prevent suicide at individual community and national levels at all levels the first thing is sensitization you can't prevent what you don't teach so as long as as a suicide will always be looked at as that child was possessed that child just had demons or that child was bewitched that's why they kill themselves you can't prevent it but when you teach people at you teach an individual you teach a community you teach the nation to say things like this are what lead to suicide that's already step 1 you have one foot through the door it's things like talking about how there is no shame in having a mental illness who are you talking to what are you talking about with them are you the friend who when someone comes to tell you they are depressed you want to compete with problems or even me are you the friend who says toughen up there are people out there who've got the worst problems that's 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 already both individual and community level because at community level it's friends it's family it's your neighbor your neighbor comes to you and says no na makao i've been going through this ah do you know that one down that house they've been going through us you are taking that person steps back they came to you because they thought they could open up to you but you're taking them steps back do you not think they'll lock themselves up in their house and never come out again national level when we start to talk about it in our community we're raising awareness we are we are helping each other we are building it we now have enough to go to the necessary parties it is is it the ps is it the minister are we going to seek an audience with the first lady how when we start seeking those audiences then we start oh then look have you been to china man do you see the conditions of the people there or have you seen the rates at which how much we pay for therapy we're paying 500 kwacha for therapy do you think someone from george compound can afford that 500 kwacha for therapy and this is just probably basic therapy where i go in i talk to my therapist the certain people who need speech therapy the certain people who need cognitive therapy those are more expensive how are you as a first lady or how are you as a ps or as a minister going to help us but if we don't start from the small things like my friend or my neighbor or the person who is five down the house five houses down where i live how do we address people at the top it's a ladder yes so it's really it's pretty much a, a connected chain it's one connected chain 
I actually like that it's one connected chain and also the metaphor you used of the ladder. It takes a whole collective to actually address this issue and actually make it a national uh, agenda item. Because only as a collective can we get our government to actually make changes and, and actually make uh, proper changes that uh, uh, we can all benefit from one time or the other. So Nicoletta, it has been amazing chatting with you and thank you for contributing to suicide prevention and awareness. Um, but please share some of the some of your details on how some of our listeners can get in touch with you. So um, Facebook is not my stronghold, but my Facebook is Nicoletta C. Katulende. Uh, my Twitter is at Miss underscore Coletta. Yeah, and then my Instagram is at the underscore talkative Aries. Thank you very much. And that's the end of our chat with Nicoletta. As per custom, our healthy reminder today is a quote from Stephen Atchison, which reads, emotional pain is not something that should be hidden away and never spoken about. There is truth in your pain. There is growth in your pain, but only if it's first brought out into the open. With that said, thank you for listening. Until next time, this has been We Talk To. That was another exciting edition of We Talk To podcast, hosted by Namukolo and Tracy. Brought to you by Wayana Media. Join us next time.